Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest Podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So, like I mentioned last week, we are in the middle of my college years, so 91 through uh, 95, and wanted to talk about a different genre of, of music that I was exposed to while at college. So in the late 80s, when I was in high school, you were either into kind of the rap scene, hip-hop was starting to um, form and take hold, um, you were into thrash uh, metal, or you were in the hair bands. So those were those were kind of the options. And out of those three, uh, obviously I was leaning more towards the hair bands uh, than any of those other uh, genres I was getting exposure to those and like uh, like some of that um, stuff but but obviously not all of it but moving into my senior year so 1991 uh, time frame was when I started to actually buy something other than the hard rock hair band uh, type stuff and a couple of examples of that is NXS's X album, which was released September 25th of 1990, and Roxette's Joyride, which was released um, March 28th, 1991. So, um, you know, at this time, you know, maybe, um, you know, my musical palette was starting to broaden a little bit. Um, also, you know, around that same time, even in my junior year, Started to get into Pink Floyd, uh, Led Zeppelin, Supertramp, Tom Petty, and last week I mentioned um, getting into The Who and was kind of talking about the 60s stuff, but obviously I was getting into their 70s um, material as well. Um, So anyway, you know, started to venture out a little bit. Um, So then, so college, so last week talked about being into the oldies a little bit and, and delving into that uh, towards the end of high school and early in, in college. Um, so college back then um, specifically was really a melting pot of music. I mean, even where I went, uh, Drake University in Des Moines, kids again from all over the world were coming there um, and bringing their music collections. So th- the exposure um that that you got was was wide and, and broad. I mean, my my immediate circle of friends were either from the Twin Cities, from Milwaukee, from Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City. So you know, just that uh, 500 mile radius uh, from from Des Moines. Um, but I was exposed to all kinds of things from from those friends that were from those areas. And what was funny about getting into some of that stuff. And being from a you know a small town in Nebraska and and going to school there and experiencing some of this different stuff which I had never been exposed to before I I thought in my head I thought that was exclusive um, to to those guys and this was just really underground uh, music and it was exclusive to Drake which is funny because I've I've got a bunch of mixtapes that are titled. Drake Mix 1, Drake Mix 2, Drake Mix 3, 
uh, up through Drake Mix 8. You know, just a variety of different uh, stuff. So, and also, during the time that I was going to college, that's, I mean, the musical landscape was, was making a major shift. Um, obviously, you know, the grunge stuff was, was coming into coming into play and and was gonna uh, change things for forever so um, so obviously in school in college I was exposed to obviously grunge I'm not going to talk a lot about that today um, roots rock kind of funk um, rock jam bandy type stuff was around um, alternative which I'm gonna call that different than what grunge um, was and then, for me, at least, um, the classic rock stuff. I mean, you go back to the, the Rush um, Presto episode, episode six, that I had Andy on. And we talked about just not really being exposed to, didn't have a classic rock station nearby. Um, so just, you know, we're not exposed to all of that stuff. Um, so Des Moines had a, a 95 KGGO, a big classic rock station, been around for, for a while. But, you know, I was exposed to Eric Clapton, uh, Blind Faith, Paul Simon, David Bowie, Doobie Brothers, ELO, Genesis, uh, Peter Gabriel uh, version, Jethro Tull, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, um, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young. Um, Not so much classic rock, but Talking Heads um, stuff. And so not only from that radio station, but from uh, some of these guys from these these other... uh, uh, cities uh, that were going to school there, so um, so I was surrounded by this stuff. Um, you know, I didn't sell my CD collection or you know get rid of my the hairband stuff. But to be honest, I didn't listen to a ton of that uh, while I was at um, school. Again, I had an open open mind when it comes to music and I you know I can I can uh, welcome new stuff and again going to bars going to parties um, just hanging out with with people in their rooms I mean you know that's the stuff that was coming out kind of during that time frame that's what uh, that's what we were listening to so so specifically you know, music I was exposed to, I, again, talked about roots rock, heartlands rock, funk rock, blues rock, jam bandy type stuff. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today. So I'm going to um, save kind of the grunge stuff when I was in college uh, for a later episode. So when I went to school in the fall of 1991, again, in, in Des Moines, Iowa, um, not too long after I was there, so early November, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a shooting at uh, the University of Iowa in Iowa City. Um, student, uh, graduate student um, named Gang Lu uh, went on a shooting spree there, killed four uh, faculty members and a student, seriously injured another student, uh, and then uh, took his own life as well. So that actually happened on November 1st, 1991. And being a freshman in college and being away from home, um, that was really, really scary time. And on top of it, I mean, Iowa City's a couple hours 
to the east of, of Des Moines. So, um, scary, scary stuff. Um, I bring this up because a couple years later, a local band uh, out of Iowa City called The Sheltering Sky wrote a song about that incident uh, titled Gang Lou. I can remember um, getting it, uh, or somebody getting it, uh, when I was so probably 1993 time frame and uh and listening to that song and and uh just haunting haunting stuff but again that that band and that song uh, was kind of in the vein of of some of the other stuff that i'm going to talk about today in addition uh on top of that a year later the sunday after thanksgiving so uh, i had just driven back uh, from thanksgiving break and there was a shooting at the drake diner which was a a restaurant just off of campus, uh, so two um, uh, 25 and 28-year-old um, managers at that restaurant were were shot uh, to death. And uh, um, anyway, so you know, almost a year, exactly a year later, after being so frightened by that Iowa City shooting, having something like this happen um, so close uh, to where. I, we were. Um, I think I had just rolled into town, actually, um, just uh, you know, a few blocks away from that. So this episode is going to revolve around the Bodines, Big Head Todd and the Monsters concert I saw on November 29, 1993, Des Moines Civic Center, Des Moines, Iowa. So instead of going through a traditional band on the bill um, type spotlight. Uh, prior to talking about this concert, I wanted to um, talk about from when I got to college up until this show and the different stuff that I was exposed to, which I don't think I would have ever um, delved into or, or been as um, influenced by, you know, if I hadn't, uh, um, hadn't gone to college, uh, probably, just again, based on... Um, the people that uh, you know I was hanging out with and, and meeting and, and that type of stuff. So again, there are some mainstream bands in here, and then there's there's going to be a handful um, that most likely uh, none of you have uh, have heard of. So you know, right before school started, um, and probably right around the time that I was dropped off at school. So the Spin Doctors album, Pocket Full of Kryptonite, had been released August 20th, 1991. So obviously that was um, all over the place and ended up being a huge, huge record. Um, and I, I liked it. I mean, I was uh, heard it a lot, um, but, I, but I enjoyed it. Um, so U2, you know, I was obviously familiar with the hits, uh, all the MTV type stuff. Um, but that November, November 18th, 1991, Octoon Baby came out, uh, which obviously was a ginormous hit that was around and was being played uh, a ton. So April 4th, 1992, Gin Blossoms released New Miserable Experience. Again, another huge, uh, huge record um, and uh, um you know, listened uh, listened to that a lot as well. So I mentioned um, having a lot of friends from the, the Twin Cities area um, at school. So 
you know, was exposed to replacements um, stuff, specifically the album uh, Tim and the album Please to Meet Me, and you know, can remember the song Can't Hardly Wait. Again, I didn't know anything about the replacements um, prior to going to, to college. Uh, the singles soundtrack, you know, came out uh, the summer of 92. Had those, uh, obviously all that grunge stuff on there, but had those two Paul Westerberg songs uh, on there. So, again, kind of another tie-in to, obviously, to, to Minneapolis. Um, and then a band called uh, Mango Jam, which was a jam band uh, from the from the Twin Cities, um, but they had an album that came out in September of '92. Um, song specifically, Cool River and Kind Nectar. I can remember some of these guys from from that area um, bringing that uh, bringing that with them to college. Um, Ten Thousand Maniacs came out uh, late September of '92 with Our Time Is Eden, which was a which was a big album. And then about a week later, REM released Automatic for the People. So again, like U2, was familiar with them and their hits and all the MTV stuff, but uh, had never purchased anything. Uh, heard the song Drive, loved it. Uh, ended up buying that album, and, and to this day, I love that record. It's a Desert Island album for me. I love it uh, from top to bottom. And then about a week after that, uh, the Four Non Blondes released Bigger, Better, Faster, More. And I can remember hearing the single What's Going On on the on the radio, I think, when I was back home over a break. And ended up buying the that album and brought it back to, to school and really, I mean, introduced it to kind of uh, my group of friends. Nobody had uh, heard it yet. Um, you know, I know everyone's tired of that, that one song, but the rest of that album is is fantastic uh, love it from from top to bottom um, I was also exposed to the Grateful Dead um, obviously was familiar with a touch of gray uh, which was released in 1987 off of the in the dark album and the song built to last which was off of built to last from 1989 so again familiar with those I probably through MTV and those songs had videos but all, a lot of these guys were, were deadheads uh, at, at, at school, so um, got exposed to a lot of their stuff. Um, a lot of the live albums, Europe, 72, um, Dead Set, you know, Without a Net uh, from 1990, one from The Vault from 1991. You know, I ended up buying Skeletons in the Closet, um, that collection, and then ended up making couple mixtapes of some Grateful Dead stuff. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, I think people make comments about not liking it, um, but I don't know if they've actually ever sat down and listened to it. Um, there's actually some decent stuff uh, in there, and, and like, I, like I said, I keep an open mind uh, for the most part with regards to music, and, and so I, you know, I'll still I'll listen to some of that stuff from time to time. Um, the Bare Naked Ladies uh, first album came out in, in July of 92, uh, album called Gordon. My wife um, ended up introducing that, that to me a little bit later. Obviously, I hadn't met her yet in, when this album came out, but she introduced me to, to that album. Um, Blues Traveler, um, again, they're 
self-titled came out in May of 90, which was prior to me going to school, but I can remember people having that uh, original album, and of course then the, their big album, Four, came out uh, later in 94. Uh, Counting Crows, August and Everything After, September 14th, 93, huge, huge um, album, loved uh, The Murder of One off of there. Crash Test Dummies, uh, first album came out in uh, April of 92, Ghosts That Haunt Me, but of course their, their breakthrough was God Shuffled His Feet that came out in October of, of 93. Um, say what you will about his voice, but I, I, dig, uh, I dig their stuff um, and uh, I still enjoy that. Uh, Matthew Sweet. So he's actually from Nebraska. He's from Lincoln, Nebraska, and his uh, album Girlfriend came out in October of 91, and I can remember hearing that, being back home. So that, that was kind of cool, just having someone um, from close to home that, uh, that was making it, and uh, um, I'll be talking a little bit more about him in a subsequent episode. Uh, Toe the Wet Sprocket. Um, album Fear came out in August of 91, so right when I was going to school. Um, Walk on the Ocean, All I Want, I mean that stuff was was huge. And then Cheryl Crow, her album Tuesday Night Cl- Music Club came out August 3rd of 93. Um, love Cheryl Crow. Um, actually that first album, I mean it's good, but it, it uh, I, I like a lot of her subsequent stuff uh, a little bit, a little bit better. And so then a couple of other um, bands that you may not have heard of. So the Freddie Jones Band was a, um, again, kind of a roots rock um, band out of Chicago. So some of these Chicago guys, I think, brought that um, to school with them. But Waiting for the Light album, September 28th, 93. Great record. Um, Take the Time, One World, The Puppet, Dixie Dynamite, In a Daydream, When You Fall, all great. Um, great songs. Also wanted to mention the Judy Bats. Uh, they had an album, Pain Makes You Beautiful, March 9th of 93. Um, the song being Simple. Uh, fantastic song. I actually first heard that on a compilation that somebody had brought to school. Um, for some reason, the single, there was a video for it. That version is, is much better than the, than the album version. And then... Last but not least, wanted to mention the samples. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on them because I'll be talking about them in a subsequent episode as well. But I uh, was exposed to them throughout uh, throughout college uh, as well. So anyway, just a, a variety of different stuff um, there that uh, that I was exposed to, and you know it was interesting. So obviously, you know I I was really on an island. Uh, with what I came to school and what you know, kind of what my background was with with music and the stuff I was listening to, um, but it was interesting. Obviously, uh, I posted the pictures of my dorm room with the, the Kiss posters up, and and but you know there was some interesting Kiss um, experience uh, experiences that I had with some different people. I can remember my freshman dorm room. I can remember my freshman dorm. Uh, some guys down the hall, you know, that, you know, we got to start to get to know and kind of come into our room and see those posters, and they they made comments. They're from, they were from St. Louis, and believe that they saw um, the Animal Eyes tour 
uh, and or that asylum tour, I can't remember uh, for sure, but that was interesting. Um, actually turned a guy on our floor freshman year uh, onto the elder, which is no small feat. Um, but I can remember talking to this guy. He was really into music, and he, he you know, he knew about uh, my love for Kiss, and he asked me. He's like, didn't they? Have, have a concept album of some sort and I said yeah music from the elder and he's like you have it and I said yeah and so I let him listen to it and he absolutely loved it and uh, and really got into the um, kind of into the story of that which was which was hilarious just again how much that album gets gets panned and and I actually turned somebody on to it so um, you know later on um, I ended up making a mixtape for um, one of my roommates and, and ended up putting, actually I ended up just putting Destroyer I think on one side and then pulled some tracks off of Alive uh, for the other side. Just He was like, yeah, give me, give me some stuff to, to listen to, you know, with regards to, to Kiss. And then there was a kid from um, Detroit um, in our fraternity and he, he started to ask, he obviously was aware of Kiss and being from Detroit, he was aware of them but really didn't know anything. So. One night, we, he, he uh, wanted me to go through every album, so that would have been, let's see if this was, this probably would have been from the debut all the way through um, Revenge um, at, at that time, and pick one song off of each album that represented that album the best, and we sat there and I think drank beer, and, and I kind of went through a, a history of their catalog uh, by doing that, which was, which was fun. So now on to the uh, bands that are on, on the bill. So Big Head, Don and the Monsters. Um, so my background with them, they from Boulder, Colorado. I'm not familiar with them at all until I got to, uh, got to school and actually not familiar with them until um, early 93 time frames. So that's when Sister Sweetly which was their breakthrough album, released in February of, of, of 93. And somebody, you know, out of my group of friends uh, bought it and, and started playing it and, and started to uh, uh, get uh, exposed uh, to that. They had a couple of previous albums. Um, first album, another Mayberry, 1989, with Midnight Radio, he 90. And I don't, you know, those didn't exactly uh, set the world on fire, which, you know, kind of explains the large gap between 90 and, and 93 until uh, Sister Sweetly came out. Um, what's interesting, they uh, got David Z to produce that, so of, uh, of Prince uh, production fame. And uh, anyway, I think uh, ultimately I think that worked. So in 1993, they were on The Late Show with David Letterman a couple times, performed Broken Hearted Savior, and then later on they performed the song Circle. So I was able to find the episode um, when they performed Circle. We're out west. Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, there you go. Their latest album, which I understand has just gone gold, uh, is called Sister Sweetly. Ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. Please welcome to the program... Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Go, folks!
shortened uh, version of that song it just sounded fantastic and I can remember when they were on and they did Broken Hearted Savior but unfortunately can't uh, can't find that anywhere online but my memory is is that that was uh, that was very good as well great live band so Bodine's from Wisconsin and you know so somebody that I knew had the black and white album from March uh, came out March 12th of 91 and 
so you know some of the songs on on there I was familiar with so David Z was involved in that as well and then uh, right before we we saw the show the album Go Slow Down came out October 12th of 93 um, and obviously uh, Bodine's uh, had had uh, started to get some uh, mainstream popularity with uh, the song Closer to Free which was the theme song for the Fox TV show Party of Five and but I know again they had some previous stuff prior to that black and white album uh, which again I was not uh, familiar with um, at all leading up to the leading up to the show but you know going back and listening to Bodine's you know they, they have uh, a real uh, Bruce Springsteen feel to some of their mellower stuff even even the harmonies really remind me of of some of bon jovi's mellow stuff um you know even in their heyday and then obviously the stuff that they're doing now um but again and then on some of the rockers actually the singer's voice from time to time sounds reminds me of the Candlebox singer um so getting into the show so this was a so this was right after um, Thanksgiving of of '93, and so I had met my who would later become my wife. I had met her in October of that year, and so a whole big group of us ended up getting tickets. I mean, we had a we had a, a big group, probably a dozen of us that ended up going to that show. So this was the first show that I went with. Uh, who, um, who would become my my wife, which was special, which was cool, and so Des Moines Civic Center, you know, probably a two two thousand to twenty five hundred uh, seater. Anyway, can't can't really remember anything specific leading up to the to the show, but again, remember, uh, obviously remember going. Uh, Big Head Todd actually opened for uh, Bodines, and Big Head Todd's uh, set list, Monument in Green. Dinner with Ivan, Ellis Island, It's Alright, Poor Miss, Sister Sweetly, Bittersweet, Turn the Lights Out, Love Betsy, Mona Lisa, Vincent of Jersey, Broken Hearted Savior, Circle, Everyday People, and Voodoo Child Slight Return. So, 15 song set list. And the breakdown, so zero songs off of their debut, um, four songs off of Midnight Radio, seven songs off of Sister Sweetly, uh, three covers, so Mona Lisa, which was Nat King Cole cover, Everyday People, which was Sly and the Family Stone cover, and then Voodoo Child, Slight Return, Jimi Hendrix cover. And then they had one song uh, that was unreleased and would be on their uh, subsequent uh, album that came out in 1994. Um, so the song "Poor Miss" uh, is from that uh, from that album. So overall, I mean, I can remember that show. I can remember, um, you know, it was cool being uh, being at a show with uh, uh, my girlfriend who I just met, and, and uh, um, they they sounded great. Again, three piece, um, powerful band. Uh, great rhythm section uh, between the drummer and, and bass player. So, great, great stuff uh, over overall, um, and and a great uh, a great time, great show. 
So Bodines, there I don't. There's no set list for them. So what I ended up doing, because actually, I, again, I'm not a, a Bodines expert uh, by by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I do have a a best of um, from them, and it runs through the album that was released in in 1996. But again, the majority, so of the 17 songs, 16 of them were. Um, through you know 93 so could have and, and probably a lot of them were played at the show so that best of is is fantastic actually um, you know it's got three songs off of their debut Love, Hope, Sex, Dreams um, She's a Runaway great song Still the Night great song um, then Outside Looking In came out in 87 it's got four songs um, from from there, so only love and say about love, great great tracks. Actually, say about love is, is a, a more of an upbeat uh, rocking song. Then home came out in '89, so a couple songs uh, from there. And then black and white came out in 1991. Um, good things, true devotion, which is actually a, a, a rocking uh, song. Paradise and and the song naked. Uh, and then Go Slow came out in 93, which had Closer to Free on it, uh, Idaho, great song, and Feed the Fire, which is another upbeat um, rocker. And then it, this collection closes with Hey Pretty Girl, which is off of 96's blend, so most likely they did not play that. But just from my, my memory, again, I was only really at that time familiar with, with kind of a couple of those songs. Um, but they were great, and they, they got a great, uh, great reception. Uh, I think there were, again, there's a, you know, a lot of diehard fans. Um, you know, they, to me, they're almost more of a kind of a cult band. Um, but they had a, they had a good following. So, again, all in all, a great show, and a, again, a fun show to go to uh, at that time. You know, being exposed to to this type of music, and then being able to go see. See it performed live was was a great time. So now on to the Slam Fest tip of the week. So again, another uh, non-traditional uh, tip of the week here. I'm going to talk about, so at Drake, we had two um, quote-unquote campus bars, um, at least when I got there in 91. So one was uh, called Peggy's and one was called West End. So Peggy's was a real small, narrow bar. Um, old style on tap, no hard liquor um, at all. Old school jukebox, uh, kind of with a you know a lot of uh, um, older you know classic uh, music choices in there, um, dartboards and um, that type of thing. West End, more of a um, you know more of a traditional bar I guess I had hard liquor uh, on on sale um, bartenders chose the music so I mean you could request stuff they had tons of CDs back there and had a really a good uh, sound system in there it was loud loud and smoky um, in that in that place um, during my junior year I believe uh, another a third uh, bar opened called the library um, yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't great. Um, and then there was a 
um, the Safari nightclub was just off of, just east of, of campus, but off of campus, and it was a live music venue. And so out of um, those first three bars, I preferred West End, music was better, atmosphere just in general was better, and, and of course they sold hard liquor so you could have shots in there. Um, but ultimately, you know, as I made my way through my, uh, my college years, I got to a point that, you know, I, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go to one of those bars and just hang out there for eight hours and, uh, you know, really listen to, to music, again, ultimately that I didn't maybe want to necessarily listen to. So I started to seek out live shows, and so there were two local bands that I saw a lot. Uh, one was named Rex Daisy, and one was named Redwing. And both of those bands, um, we also had play at our uh, fraternity uh, multiple times uh, for parties. And I'm going to touch on both of those uh, in a later episode. Um, but some great times for sure. Um, regarding Safari, so that, that nightclub, uh, you guys aren't going to believe who I saw in there. Uh, almost exactly a year later after this uh, Big Head Todd Bodine's uh, show. So stay tuned. So to close out this episode with a which side are you on? So going to delve into the Big Head Todd and the Monsters uh, Sister Sweetly album so released on february 23rd 1993 and produced by the aforementioned david z of uh, prince fame this was their first album recorded on a major label giant records and it ended up being on the charts um, for a year Um, but oddly enough it only peaked at number 117 and at the end of the day it still went platinum so Um, So Big Head Todd is fronted by Todd Park Moore, does uh, the majority of the writing, is the uh, guitar player and and obviously the lead vocalist, Uh, but they do have a fantastic rhythm section, um, and it comes across on this whole album. The, The album just sounds fantastic, but Rob Squires on bass and Brian Nevin Uh, is on drums so let's dive into this album so side one kicks off with uh, broken hearted savior Um, single number two from this album and made it to number nine on just the album rock tracks so it didn't uh, didn't make it on the on the billboard um, singles chart but a fantastic song every time i hear it always takes me back uh, to the spring of my sophomore year uh, and you know, into that summer and into the fall, obviously when we ended up uh, seeing them in '93. But great lead melodic riff uh, during that intro, and then it kicks in with the drums and bass, just awesome. Verse riff is kind of a variation of that opening riff. Uh, great vocal during the verse, and fantastic bridges, uh, lyric lyrically and and uh, vocally. So, and every passing day, she flickers and she fades. Is someone to catch her when she falls from the heavens? And then 
Our love was once a flame, now I'm just a forgotten name. Am I the only one to blame for ever loving her? Just great. It's great stuff. And then, you know, great addition of, of the piano. Uh, some piano during that second verse. Just a great touch. And a great guitar solo. And then ends kind of with that opening riff. So, uh, if you guys don't know this song, or if you don't know Big Head Todd at all, um, seek out this song. It's, uh, it is a jam. Track two, Sister Sweetly, so title track. Uh, real funky groove, um, great bluesy guitar lead, and it you know, sounds a lot like Kravitz, when I, Lenny Kravitz. When I was kind of re-listening to this, uh, prepping for the episode, I, I guess I never really made the Kravitz connection, but there's a lot, uh, a lot of similarities throughout this album. Track three, Turn the Lights Out, great song. Um, great mid-tempo rocker just opens with the lyric I close the door and then music kicks in which is a great way to uh, start a song Uh, cool harmonizing during the verses and then great great chorus Um, you know repeating she's gonna uh, six times uh, then turn the light out Um, and then at the end of the chorus he says time's out on me uh, which is very very cool but great great song uh, they played it uh, during the show that I saw. Tomorrow Never Comes, track four. Great mellow song, great groove. Um, again, fantastic lead work uh, and some sporadic underlying piano uh, in there, which is which is very, very cool. And a great ba- uh, breakdown and, and backing vocals uh, during that song. Track five, It's All Right. So this was actually the fourth single. Um, again, more uh, Kravitz uh, similarities. Awesome chorus, backing vocals. Uh, they've got a female backing vocal, and it's uh, Javetta Steele is her name. Does a fantastic job. Um, kicks in with some power chords, um, kind of during the during a breakdown in there. Uh, but just again, a great, uh, great, great mellow um, song overall. And then side one closes out with groove thing. So mostly instrumental, uh, kind of a what I'll call a distant vocal uh, with an effect on that voice. So it almost sounds like uh, a voice coming over a, a transistor radio. Um, real funky, funky song, um, but cool, cool way to close out the, the side. So then turning it over, side two. So soul for every cowboy. Mellow song, uh, kind of to kick off side two. Great uh Great overall vocal, um, kind of again interesting choice uh, for the song to, to kick off the side. Track two, Ellis Island, which was also in the set list. This is a great, great song. Uh, bluesy riff, uh, great bridge. She is listening. Um, she is everything, and then great chorus. Almost a key change in there, and almost a falsetto uh, vocal uh, throughout that. Uh, throughout that chorus but great uh, great song and then track three so bittersweet so this was the first single um was actually on their um the second album um and just didn't uh didn't do anything so they carried it over re-recorded it for for this one but this hit number 14 on the mainstream rock chart uh, and was just outside the Billboard Hot 100 chart. I, I think at like 104 
And I know a lot of people say that Broken Hearted Savior uh, was their biggest hit. I, I'm like, no way. This this song, people know this song. Um, great mellow uh, lead riff. Sounds like something that the Wallflowers w- would eventually do uh, later on when they uh, they hit the scene. Uh, great verse melody in the chorus. Great emotional vocal uh, and lyric uh, from Todd. Um, great, great song. Track four, Circle. So this was single number three uh, and hit number 21 on the mainstream rock charts. Killer, killer riff uh, throughout the whole song. I mean, it's just the same... <laughs> Same uh, pretty basic riff, but just a killer riff. Um, and then during the verse, uh, it, it kind of mellows out. But again, it's the same verse in there. But I mean, at the beginning, when that riff starts, and then the heavy, it's just a heavy song when the drums and bass kick in. Um, you can just hear the slapping of the bass, too. Just, again, great production, uh, great vocal during the verse. Again, cool bridge as it starts to kick in. Uh, chorus, rise and fall, turn the wheel, because all life is is really just a circle. Uh, great breakdown with some yas and some na-na-nas. Uh, great guitar solo. And then as it kind of starts to build, you're the only one I want uh, over and over until it kicks back in again. And then great backing vocals at the end uh, during the chorus outro, so really a call and response of the rise and fall Turn the wheel because all life is is really just a circle and then backing vocals uh, responding. Just a great, great song. And then the album closes out with Brother John acoustic. Just just a Todd with an acoustic and, and his vocal. Very cool way to end the album. Uh, Brother John, where are you sleeping? Uh, vocal. It just, it just really shows uh, Todd's uh, talent uh, overall. So so again, looking at these two sides, you know, when I originally was thinking about doing this album, I was thinking that side one was going to take it for sure, but this is a lot closer than, than I thought. I mean, side one, Broken Hearted Savior, and Circle on side two, I mean, those are both killer songs, so they kind of wash each other out. Um, turn the lights out, and it's all right uh, from side one, or are just our killer songs. Bittersweet, to me, again, is the is the real hit on the album on side two. Uh, but Ellis Island, great, great song. And even, again, Brother John was, was a cool acoustic song there to, to, there to end. But I'm, I think I'm going to stick with side one, so Broken Hearted Savior, Turn the Lights Out, uh, It's All Right, uh, are, just, uh, are just too good. Um, even Tomorrow Never Comes on side one, I kind of failed to mention that here on my, my summary, but... Uh, again, a great mellow, mellow song in there as well. So I am going with side one of Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Sister Sweetly. Did any of you see the Bodines or Big Head Todd and the Monsters in concert? If so, when and where? And what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your thoughts on kind of roots rock, heartlands rock, funk rock, blues rock, jam band stuff? you know, of the early to mid-90s. And last but not least, what are your thoughts on Big Head Todd and the Monsters' platinum-selling album, Sister Sweetly, Side 1 or Side 2? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com 
or request to join our private Facebook page at Slam Fest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time.